0: Hello, hello and welcome to another Persistent and Nasty podcast. It's Elaine here and today we chat to musical theatre actress Alexandra Lawrence. We discuss all things body image and the ups and downs, highs and lows of drama skill. We really hope that you enjoy this episode. It's really important and brings up some really, really important issues that need to be discussed within our industry and how we are supporting each other, especially during our training time. As always, you can give us any feedback that you want on all social media platforms, on Twitter, at PersistentNasty, on Instagram, at PersistentAndNasty, and And on Facebook, Persistent and Nasty. Please continue to like and subscribe and leave us a review on any um, podcast service that you use. We really do love hearing from you all. Anyway, that's enough from me for today. Have a really good week, guys. We hope you enjoy this episode, and as always, sit back, relax, and have a wee cup of tea. she
1: said
2: that. She's so nasty. <laughs> um, Alex. Is an actress who is based in London and, and reached out to us on the joys of social media. Well, let's say some joys of social media on Twitter, and we are so excited to have her as part of our persistent nasty podcast. Welcome, Alex. Hello, hello. Hi. <laughs> and when did you move down to London?
1: So I moved down to London about five years ago, um, two thousand fourteen.
2: And was that for drama school?
1: Yes, it was to study. Yeah,
2: tell us all about that then yeah
1: it was great it was good um obviously like why I'm on the podcast um there was just like some ups and downs to do with kind of eating and body image and and things like that um which I'm here definitely to talk about today um but it was yeah an overall very um I guess life-affirming experience (laughs) you've really got to hold your back and hold your own during it like you know you're not cradled during that That time um, Mm. at all. So, a lot of kind of uh, learning opportunities there.
2: Can I ask you what drama school you went to, if you're happy to say?
1: Yeah, I went to the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama and I studied on the musical theatre pathway.
2: Okay, so three year course? Three
1: year course, yeah.
2: (laughs) Yep, excellent. Excellent. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Do you think that you found it with the body image? issue harder because you were doing musical theatre or do you think it was the same for your counterparts just doing the straight acting course
1: um I mean yeah obviously I can't speak for for the straight acting course but I think that yeah you know the the issue of body image is is so widely spread spread across like all Mm. um all jobs you know mm-hmm. um and all kind of areas of study um but yeah, I guess there's a lot of more focus on your body and how you're performing um more so than than other kind of job roles mm-hmm. um, but I think like musical theater does get kind of quite a bad name in the in the sense of body image because you know you're you kind of picture everyone in leotards and doing a lot of dance and that kind yeah. of stuff uh-huh. um, but I think the acting course did 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 a, f- a lot of movement kind of based stuff as well. Um, but yeah, I think more for me, it's, it was more, I picture it as more generalized. I don't kind of see it as like, oh, I did musical theater and this was really hard because of mm-hmm. A, B and C. Um, but I definitely know that dance schools, um, I hear a lot of things about the goings on around kind of self-image and diets and exercise regimes. Yeah. Those kind of schools as well. So it is, it's a very mixed, mixed pot um but yeah my my struggles were were more because there was just a lot of mirrors around and we were constantly kind of which i think is useful obviously in the, the mm-hmm. kind of acting training like kind of made to be more self-aware and um so a lot of kind of self-analysis under, underwent um so yeah it was just i think that was kind of more
2: prodding did it start? Do you think that it started for you, like as soon as you <clears throat> arrived, or was that a couple of months into training? No, so I actually I suffered
1: from so I started drama school when I was twenty one, and um, I actually was suffering already from anorexia from the age of nineteen. Okay. Um. So. Yeah, kind of coming to drama school was especially in first year was a another use um, as an excuse to not eat. You know, I'd mm-hmm. be there from eight till eight every day, eight till six um so I would just kind of use that as like I'm so busy and um, mm-hmm. so I kind of like was really excited to go to drama school because of all the opportunity um but also because I was like I'm gonna have so much time to not eat like or like I'm gonna be so overwhelmed with stuff that I'm gonna not think about food as much
2: mm-hmm.
1: but was what I found really stressful um when I was ill um, and anxiety provoking was my hyper awareness around food and how much time i had to think about it and i just wanted loads and loads and loads of distraction but the truth is like no matter how you try and distract yourself whether that's like just by doing something like painting your nails instead of eating or going to drama school eight hours a day and yeah doing all that stuff like it's not going to distract from what's so prominent in your mind you know as a mental illness or as a disordered relationship with food and exercise mm mm-hmm. And you're going to be constantly self-aware and and checking in with your body in kind of all the
2: unhealthy ways. It's hard. Um, And especially if you were already suffering to then come. uh, Whereabouts in Scotland are you from originally? Aberdeen. Aberdeen. Yeah, northeast. Yeah, so you're from the northeast. So you left Aberdeen and came to London, which in itself is a... culture shock I guess as well yeah so busy.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I feel like everybody you know you're coming from an Aberdeen like is, is it's quite a small city and like living in it your whole life you don't really realize how small it is until you come to London which is like six Aberdeens in one mm-hmm. um and obviously yeah the the, the cultural shock it, everything is so different down here like there's so many kind of Oh, there's so much diversity in compared mm-hmm. to Aberdeen and there's so many different personalities and um ways of living. Um yeah and the pace of life you know, down here and oh my god yeah yeah, yeah. that's what I like find really hard to adapt to and I think it was definitely just kind of mental health background as well. Um my dad um really sadly passed away um suddenly in my first year of study. So oh, um, sorry Alex So that was yeah it was um, it was very hard. Mm. Um, And I think that's kind of when I remember all my anxiety and stuff coming to the surface. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was like, kind of made more apparent that like, wow, no, I really am living in such a fast paced environment and this isn't helpful. And I feel very claustrophobic and in Scotland, it's very different because you've got lots of kind of mountains to climb. (laughs) Kind of green space and fresh air and like London. Well, in Aberdeen,
2: you've got the sea. So
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I live right next to the sea, um, on like just beside a little farm. I live in like a kind of fishing village um, part, so it's yeah, it's very different Mm to here.
2: With the loss of your dad, um, did you get a lot of support from drama school and those round about you?
1: Um, In drama school, I don't actually feel like I did get a lot of support. Okay, Um, it's something that I think has taken me a while to actually and well, I don't actually think I'm fully over that yet. Mm-hmm. I think that um I was offered a counseling service
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and it was just kind of like here's a counseling person you can go to. But I didn't want to go to a counseling session, you know, after I'd been at school for eight hours a day. And then sometimes I would have a really good day and mm-hmm. the counsellor um would ask me strange questions that f- seemed quite um I guess I, I've been seeing a therapist for two years now and she's mm-hmm. um qualified in CBT and psychotherapy um and I think a much higher level given what rate I pay for her
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: and it's and the, the way she kind of approaches it is so different and it's it is direct but she challenges me in, in the right places and it seems like it's come from a like a very skilled place yeah whereas it was kind of like I was getting prodded and asking questions about my mum and if she drinks (laughs) I was just a bit like uh, no my mum doesn't drink um but you know like and I was just getting get find myself getting very defensive in the this counselling session and yeah well
2: that's not really helpful after you've lost your dad and they're asking you questions about your (laughs) mum
1: yeah it was kind of a very assumptive the, Mm -hmm. the conversation and I was I felt yeah like it was just assumption and defense and that's all it was so I I only lasted two sessions of that before I kind of quickly went, no, this isn't helping me. I don't think this is a, like, yeah. Um, and some of the teachers um, in my, on my course, I had, it was my responsibility to let them know um, of what was going on. Um, I don't think that the course leader had time or something to tell them that that was going on for me and my dad was dying in five weeks that's how long he'd been given to live um so there was a lot of kind of miscommunication like not very well organized kind of stuff and then you know I mean it's it's very hard to deal with someone who is going through that level of grief like I'm not saying that I was you know a blessing to kind of yeah um, be around at that time like definitely not um and it was difficult to know what i wanted um myself never mind others around me yeah of um,
2: course but
1: Let's yeah in i didn't nature. feel yeah in hindsight i look back and go god i really wasn't supported but i think that that just goes into a wider branch um you know i can only speak for the school that i went to but mm-hmm. i definitely think mental health support um needs to be excelled um across all drama schools if, mm-hmm. it, if it already or if it's not already underway um because you're paying a lot of money mm-hmm. to attend these places where you spend the majority of your life it's, it's different from university yeah um and you know people in my class like they didn't have um I think only one other person in my class went through um grief as well or bereavement whilst whilst at school and other people went through other mental health issues and they were just this kind of you know, high priority and you were just kind of like, oh, and I'm surrounded by all of this stuff and none of it seems to be very well supported. But you kind of take mm-hmm. it as like, well, we're not created at a drama school, we've got to hold our own, we've got to be big and strong. So like, this is a, this is a life lesson. And then you get out and then everything falls apart and you're like, oh my God, like, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> um, yeah.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I have so many things that I could say about that because I actually don't think that's the right way to um, prepare people for a career in this industry. Um, no, no, I, I, think, I, think, I agree. Yeah, I think the whole thing needs re-looked at because actually this whole idea of, well, this is it, it's a tough industry, you just need to suck it up, you know, mm. tough, toughen up, we're in a very different... Time we have so many other factors in our lives um, mm. that can influence us but also actually what we need in this industry is love and support more than anything because it is tough not the opposite
1: <laughs> yeah well there's just kind of like preconception of like actors have like really having to have this hard thick skin mm-hmm. and kind of how you get that is by just kind of you know shutting up and suffering through and just building up that thicker and thicker skin so that you're just like this undefeatable actor thing floating around but then Mm -hmm. at the same time they're wanting you to be vulnerable on cue Um, (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's just like oh okay what I didn't get this um this doesn't add up to me um Yeah. yeah I think the biggest thing I've learned from drama school um you know with thankfully with the opportunity and and privilege to be able to have a therapist and and go through kind of everything to do with my eating disorder and my bereavement and kind of learning so so many things about myself um that's that's developing a thick skin it's being vulnerable and open enough to kind of allow yourself to fall down and then pick yourself up and know the ways how to so it's yeah yeah, that's kind of my forming of thick skin
2: again yeah, no, I I absolutely I think if you're supported enough and you know that you have that roundabout you you will develop a thick skin for the rest of it yeah yeah
1: it's, it's about it's about failing right yeah you're familiar with the podcast um Elizabeth Days how to fail uh not great it's a, I'm going to on
2: that one
1: <laughs> yes it's so good she so basically just all kind of mainly successful people or on the podcast but they've all they all just go through their failures so it's very inspiring oh Um, great it's it's really great um she's a journalist and author i think um who started podcast after she had a i think she had a period of ivf and then went through a pregnancy and then a miscarriage yeah um, of that pregnancy um so she kind of talks and that was after her and oh, then she had a divorce, I think, after that. And then she started this podcast because she was just like, "I'm failing," um, <laughs> like center. Right, but she's now, as a result, like amazingly successful. So it just yeah. shows you like vulnerability brings success, vulnerability brings strength. Yeah. yeah, I really love the kind of whole message around that.
2: It's so. also really interesting that word failure, though, isn't it? Because is it really failing? Because yeah, is, it's like, is that not just part of part of us as human beings? It's a different. I hate using the word journey. I'm trying to think really hard. Oh, I know. So overused. I'm like, i a mean, oh thesaurus for the word journey. I know. Like, I'm not on the X Factor. We're not doing a journey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, like, everybody has their moments where things don't go right. No matter what career you're in, no matter where you are, no matter yeah. actually, no matter what class you're from, not everything goes the right way. So it's one of those things that makes us human yeah I think it's yeah. like maybe it's like we're all about reclaiming words on persistent and nasty so maybe failure is one of those words we need to add to our ever-growing list of words to reclaim yeah
1: 100% <laughs> that the patriarchy
2: uses against us <laughs>
1: yeah. I just yeah. yeah I do think that failure needs to be grabbed I mean god if I could try and tell myself that I feel like I'm some sort of motivational speaker on here <laughs> <laughs> I'll be at home crying into a box of teasers later um, but,
2: that no, is okay like, though you yeah, can jump into yeah. that box of teasers. <laughs>
1: yeah. but um yeah I think that yeah failure just it needs to be grabbed, and I definitely need to give myself that post-it and stick it on my forehead mm-hmm. um but yeah it's 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 very uplifting when you hear that you know, success has come from kind of failure. If you don't succeed, try and try again.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, just to jump back to um, obviously sure. um, when you weren't well with your anorexia, did you mm. did the school ever reach out to you and say, you know, Alex, we're a little bit worried about you're not eating. Can we get you some help with that? No,
1: they didn't. Okay. Um, I wouldn't put uh, responsibility on them um for that they didn't know that I was going through that illness um a lot of you know a lot of people in our class lost a lot of weight when they were starting it was a big lifestyle change Mm -hmm. um and I definitely was surrounded by a lot of people that were um dieting also whether that was to in inverted commas feel better and you know be more awake and healthy and ready for the day or whether that was actually subconsciously for weight loss because they were paranoid about their appearance you know Mm-hmm. being in dance class every day looking into mirrors every day um you know being in tight clothing or whatever the cause of that was um but I think that I had my experience of drama school um going through that illness my uh, course leader actually told me that I needed to lose weight or gain weight one of the two options to in order to fit into a casting bracket um, yeah. that was to the extent of you know even though my, my illness was very secretive I think that's a big thing that um is maybe I'm not going to say misunderstood because I think people can understand but mm-hmm. I think it kind of gets glossed over how secretive and consuming this illness is that you need to hide it from everyone because it's yours and it's em- maybe embarrassing or it brings a lot of shame
0: mm-hmm. um
1: so I didn't actually realize or was willing to accept I had an eating disorder until about. Maybe a year and a half ago, um, okay. but I've had but I had you know anorexia believe me for about six years, so it's it's crazy. I was like, there's nothing wrong with me because I didn't look obscenely skeletal. So it wasn't you know I think a lot of people um, have this preconception that if you're anorexic, then you are skeletal and you can see yeah. your pelvis and you can see everything. And I was very skinny. I was two and a half stone lighter than I was than I am now. Um, and I I'm now probably about a size eight ten. Um, depending on where I shop (laughs) and uh, (laughs) to be a 12 14 someone else I guess (laughs) (laughs) but yeah um, so yeah I was definitely underweight um, you know and due to the fact that I wasn't eating um, I obviously wasn't uh, very healthy at all um, Mm -hmm. very malnourished um, and I believe I've not been Diagnosed, but I believe I've still got kind of deficiencies lingering around from from then as well. I'm still kind of trying to get back to full health. Okay. Um, but yeah, kind of gone off tangent.
2: Um fine. <laughs> don't don't, don't um, tangents are <laughs> <not> great. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, I don't think I think my my school's view towards kind of diet, food, and exercise, which many hold today, still I think, um, quite old fashioned mm-hmm. in the sense that weight loss equals lead role and um health or good life or yeah you know,
2: I think like, I was going to say yeah. when you said I don't think it's your school's responsibility I actually disagree I do think it is their responsibility um maybe not their responsibility to know that I've got an eating know, disorder but I think yeah. it's their responsibility to be making sure that they are pushing healthy choices for yes people. I agree
1: with that yeah yeah I just
2: that are they spending 10 grand or 12 grand or 14 grand a year um to turn around and say to them you know make sure that you are taking care of your body because actually Mm. by not doing that you are damaging your body as you see you're still thinking that you might have deficiencies from when you weren't eating and as an actor performer dancer poet singer your body and your voice is your livelihood Yes, yeah. So if yeah. you're not looking after that from a young age, you don't know the damage that that has lasting. Mm. So I think that the schools do have a responsibility to be doing that from day one.
1: Yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with that. Um, what, what I meant was that because I wasn't kind of, yeah. I don't think so obviously ill or obviously, mm-hmm. you know, they don't spend lunch times with us, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I know that, you know, that people were approached if they were, like there's a few people in my class who maybe lost weight quite drastically from the time that they were there. Okay. They, I arrived already very skinny
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then kind of put on weight because my eating disorder kind of went from anorexia to bulimia, um, anorexia and bulimia for the majority of the time, and then kind of like a binge eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, as a result which is very common from that kind of heavy yeah. restriction yeah um so kind of my journey at drama school was kind of like weight gain and that was noticed so weight loss and weight gain is noticed and it's approached but not well you know mine was approached with you needed to, you need to either lose weight or you need to gain weight so you know that was the approach so it was noticed but it was just yeah. that's the these are your options yeah you need to fit options. you in somewhere <laughs> So yeah, you couldn't
2: just be a human being could you <laughs>
1: well this is the thing like you know and the conversation didn't go much further of like are you struggling or this but mm-hmm. at the same time I was there like yeah I'll lose it I'll lose I'll lose it because obviously you know that's what I loved doing at the time I loved being yeah. faced with a challenge to lose weight so yeah I'm gonna take it
2: and but also that to, very,
1: yeah, to be through the drama schools
2: as well it's not just them it's like it's it's so pushed on us as females from such a young age um, about our appearance, and um, mm. and obviously now with Instagram and uh, yeah. social media, like young girls have it from, st- like I mean, I had it in magazines and all that, like, but not to the same extent that they it's
1: very accessible now. Yeah, yeah, so
2: accessible, and you know they're all standing in their bikinis, taking pictures, yeah, like, commenting on you know all of that it's a whole other prolly thing but yeah it just kind of like yeah. I think yeah there's definitely a responsibility on all of us to push that we are not all the same and that we're different yes yeah okay. I a really interesting in um, podcast coming up with Callie Crawford um, from Callie Crawford Casting and okay. um, I was asking her about just like breakdowns for females blah 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 and Callie mm. said I will hire the person who's right for the job always and she's like, I don't care um, what you look like. She was like, maybe not with producers, but she said, you know, she's sick of nobody that's not a size eight, you know, sex scenes. If you're not skinny, you're not having sex. Well, actually in life, that's not true. So <laughs> <laughs> Let's have some oh, representation. Gosh, yeah. That would be great. Yeah.
1: Representing human beings, that's I am a large advocate for that, definitely. Isn't that our job
2: as actually? Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, this is a thing, like I've I've said this, um I did a podcast also with the ninety-eight percent.
2: Oh yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. I listened to the ninety-eight percent, they're great.
1: Yeah, I did a a podcast um with them back where it was uh February, and we were speaking Oh my god, I
0: listened to your one, I've just realized. Did Did you actually?
2: <laughs> what an arsehole awesome. I mean. A that podcast
0: is... within a podcast. A podcast Ooh. within a
2: podcast. Well, wow. <laughs> meta, guys, we've gone meta. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue. percent um, yeah. of February. Yeah, we were speaking.
1: Oh, what were we speaking about? Oh, God, I've lost it. Um, no, it was totally about human beings, human, human beings portraying our stories. Oh, yeah, you know, we're portraying human beings in our stories, and I was speaking to them about, you know, when I realised everything was a problem was at my showcase which is the end of our third Mm -hmm. year and it was you know it's such an important time at that time I hadn't um got representation um yet and we'd done two shows already so a lot Mm -hmm. well not a lot but some people had signed or some people had had interest yeah I'd had nothing um and I thought oh god like you know showcase is my time like it's the time to show them who I am etc etc all I could do was just think about how uncomfortable I felt on the clothes I was wearing, the size of my legs. Um, you know, the, the stage was raked. So I thought about how that would be an unflattering angle from the audience on my body. Um, I didn't think about, obviously I thought about my performance, but it Mm -hmm. was like to a perfectionistic and competitive standard where I'm so passionate about kind of valuing like an authentic and real performance, Mm -hmm. um, as I'm sure most are um <laughs> but it was you know my focus was so far away from that I was constantly on on what I looked like and I was like oh my god like this is horrendous can't speak um this is horrendous um you know is this going to be every audition for me am I going to be thinking about what I look like am I not going to be enjoying every audition because I'm focusing so much on how I look or what the panel are thinking about my body and if it's thin enough and if I don't get the role then what is that going to give me this kind of i don't know all this stuff is factual it's just all in my all in my mind but yeah you know it's fed by some some truths Mm -hmm. but also part of my mental illness as well Mm -hmm. and it just you know i got to the point where i was just like i can't go on like this i can't go on thinking about my body this way and i can't go on you know i'd kind of it sounds strange to to put it this way but because i don't think you can control an eating disorder Mm -hmm. Um, especially when you're under wraps of it but it was like I've done anorexia I've done bulimia done the binge eating but I can't stop but I've done it all and I'm I'm not happy Mm -hmm. and you know you you kind of start on those things or your body kind of clutches onto these things as a means of control to try and find happiness you know if you're you know I'll be happy when I get six stone or all of this kind of stuff. And yeah. I was like, I'm not. And I've been through it all and I've I've done it. But nothing is sustainable or maintainable. And I just I'm so exhausted. And I want to get back to doing what I love, which is performing. And I want to actually enjoy the moments of that, that I get, even if it is just an audition. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that was kind of the moment I think that I was like and you know, showcase for me personally just went to shit. Okay. Um and it was just because I was so hung up on so many things, including my my body. And yeah. I wasn't just like, I'm gonna go on stage and do speech. Cool. Yeah, you couldn't just
2: be in you the know? moment of and, sh- yeah. and do your thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was so yeah. It was so hard. And I was like, God, it's not meant to be this hard. And I think there is that preconception with being an actor that everything's mm-hmm. got to be incredibly difficult. And it is. It is hard. This year, I find it incredibly hard. I've I've not had any work this year. Um, I had two small plays last year, so kind of, I've not got the kind of token job that I've been waiting for since, you know, I first got into drama school and thought everything was just going to yeah. fall into place afterwards, you know, it is hard, like, but life is hard as well, Yeah, and you just, <laughs> just got to find those moments of enjoyment, I guess, exactly. in between all of the all of the shit. Sorry, I know this is this no, no, is, no. no it's, it's not what I was like swear. Life.
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: <laughs> absolutely. I was about to say I'm Scottish. It's very difficult not to. No, it's okay. Um, it's okay. It's but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah. So I think. Yeah, it is. God, it's just finding that balance, isn't it? Just mm-hmm. in life, and you've just got it. My biggest, my biggest, um, passion is just kind of owning what you've got, because it is all you've got. Mm-hmm. And if it's shit, then you've got to own it and if it's great then you've got to own it as well and you've just got to get through and learn and learn and learn that's my kind of
2: mantra i guess for, for and a great mantra to have alex though because we're all constantly learning and or we yeah. all should be constantly learning and open to learn yeah yeah and that's a really wonderful thing yeah and um, so you've said that you are, are would you say you're on the road to recovery
1: so yeah, um it's weird i thought about this this morning. So i started therapy um in November this is 2019. So November 2018. And i would say that i was recovered no okay. sorry that's a lie. Um November 2017 is when i started therapy. So i'd say i was recovered my my therapist didn't actually say to me like you are recovered and i don't know if that was like a kind of tactic of hers or um a way of kind of not putting an end game on it because then maybe relapse would seem like such a great failure if you were kind of like established recovered tick um and then went through something else later down the line but I felt really fully recovered in my body um from August last year so August 2018 um just kind of like my relationship with food um I was maintaining weight um so I guess I kind of lost the weight that I'd gained from binging um, Mm -hmm but was maintaining a normal weight that my body just kind of came to the weight that it's meant to be, I guess, just with mm-hmm. a, a regular diet and, um, regular or irregular exercise. Um, but something I do still struggle with, um, which I do want to point out because it isn't an easy road. And I definitely think that people who do follow me on social media or know what I kind of do. And I'm passionate about promoting, like I'm passionate about promoting body acceptance and body neutrality and um my last event we recently painted um women naked and we did a photo shoot in front of a backdrop and it was beach body themed and it was called mm-hmm. your own beach body but yeah i guess like doing all that stuff in social media like can as social media does can just portray that like alex has an eating disorder and now she's talking about it and she's doing amazing things and she's well and all this stuff when the truth is yeah i do i feel so in such a better place than i was mm-hmm. Um, but I still really struggle, and I've had to admit that this year, that I still really struggle with exercise. Mm -hmm. There's something for me, I think, because exercise was always kind of since I was younger, promoted as a weight loss tool. It was either weight loss or extremely competitive sport. So there's always kind of something to compete against with exercise. Mm -hmm. And I think that getting my – I was like, yeah, I'm just going to think about exercise as – something that is enjoyed and that I can move my body to and I definitely do try my hardest to practice mindful exercise. Um just kind of being aware of how my joints are moving, how my body's moving, feeling strength building, etc. But I think sometimes it wavers and I do find it still hard to distinguish um between punishment and enjoyment. Um okay. because I'm so used to or was so used to doing exercise to, you know, kill myself, to be completely out of breath, sweating, profusely, and you know, and it, and it does feel it feels tough on the body, right? When you're exercising, mm-hmm. it feels hard if yeah. you're a bit, or you're trying to get fitter, and you're really pushing your body to that extreme. So it's very relatable to punishment um, and pain and you know, all of these things. So I think that, yeah, my struggle definitely is kind of separating those two, because sometimes it can interweave in the gym, especially if I'm vulnerable and I'm having a bad day. Mm-hmm. um which is sad because i do think exercise you know it releases endorphins and makes you feel better so uh-huh. gyms do that so yeah that is still a struggle for me definitely um but i've only kind of come to admit that in the last couple of <laughs> months um when i've went oh god i'm finding this really hard or I feel really like nervous or anxious or yeah or like you know there's a lot of mirrors in the gym so if mm-hmm. you are vulnerable you're going in and i'm like oh god i was i was really like looking at my body a lot today when i was in the gym rather than like focusing on the exercise and I didn't really like that um those kind of things still linger on yeah um and definitely something I realized as well this year um I was going on holiday and I I bought a bikini and I was trying on and it it fitted and everything was fine but I was just like something's not right or like I don't like my body in this
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and I was like what is this talk and I was just like, oh, I don't like my body in this because I've seen it on someone that looks completely different to me. Yeah. And I realized how much we... Obviously, yes, size is a huge thing, um, you know, um, and I think diversity of size in the acting industry needs to be addressed. Diversity of size in life and acceptance of all size um, in life needs to be addressed. But shape as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've, I've kind of been... A lot of um, people comment on... Um, my bum like my rear end um and I think I guess you know I see a lot of girls on Instagram or some with with also kind of maybe large rear ends and they've also got tiny tiny waists Mm -hmm. and mine doesn't really look like that um and I think that I don't know I just my body shape is different to everyone and I think that you even you try and put yourself in these boxes of like curvy or straight up and down or curvy and skinny and mm-hmm. or you know and it's just like it's, it's mad how much diversity of body shape there is it's not just fat and thin or totally. big bodied and small bodied yeah it's, you know small boobs are one boob bigger than the other one nipple bigger than the other and I definitely learned that through the body painting event that um well the two body painting events one that I helped out with and the other that I kind of co-founded um is that there's such a huge range diversity of of women's bodies and their yeah. shapes yeah. and sizes and you know even in the be your own beach body event that i did in june like there wasn't really anyone there that was in a, a very large body everybody was was kind of medium-sized there was some um quite petite girls there and i was just thinking god this isn't about this event today isn't about being fat or being thin. It's about accepting the shape you are because you are your own individual shape and you can't change that. You can change, I guess, scientifically, the amount of fat in your body if you want to really deplete your calories and mm-hmm. go through that grueling process um, and build muscle, but you can't choose where your body builds muscle um, or, you know, takes fat from yeah it's
2: yeah it's just about accepting the shape because it's
1: gonna oh god i'm kind of going going downhill here but like
2: no i know uh, what you're trying to say though it's like we are all none of us are the exact same shape yeah yeah so stop trying to be (laughs) yeah it's like somebody can be the same as you but look totally different because our bodies are are literally physiologically different yeah shape yeah yeah
1: the way yeah the way i want to explain it is your body is going to look the way your body looks and it's also going to look the way your body looks when it has lots of muscle and it's also going to look the way it looks when it has a lot of fat Mm -hmm. and or both muscle and fat you know it's yeah not gonna you know if you have less fat you're not going to look like that person on instagram you're going to look like you you need to accept the shape of everything and an amazing exercise that my therapist gave me was she was like this might be really difficult um but luckily i was quite i'm quite comfortable like being naked So she was like, "I want you to look in the mirror and just stand naked in front of the mirror." And she was like, "And I want you to label things on your body." She was like, "But I don't want you to make it like, I don't want you to comment on things that aren't true. So I don't want you saying that your legs are fat because that might that's that's not true." She was like, "Maybe your your legs kind of go out and then they go in at the knee and then they come out down your calves. Maybe your skin is smooth. Um, you have a freckle there." um you know one yeah. boob hands lower than the other She was like just s- establish those things so you're kind of getting to know your body from an unjudgmental place yeah. and that was that was really that was a really big moment for me doing something like that because I was like oh yeah I've got lines here because you know I laugh or I've got lines down here because that's where my jeans sit um mm-hmm. or my pants have sat for 26 yeah. years you know yeah <laughs> like oh, and I've got stretch marks because my bum decided to grow when I was 14 <laughs> during puberty like yeah. it's just like you've got all of these I guess um scars mm-hmm. but like I, I think scars are is a word to kind of this used quite in a derogatory way just from kind of like medical use but it's you know it's a sign of living and I think embracing those things too is really important yeah.
2: Yeah, that, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. we we'll let let's reclaim scars as well. We'll reclaim it all. Um, I'm so aware that you have to go because you're working today, but um, I could literally oh, yeah. talk to you for ages. It's been brilliant. Oh. <laughs> we do a, a part two, yeah, that would be lovely. Like it would be really great. Um, that'd be so cool. That would be brilliant. Um, Alex, so you are on all social media. You're an activist for obviously, um, creating. So you, you've got your activism for mental health and for body image. Um, and yeah. people can follow you on Instagram at Alexandra.Lawrence.
1: Yes, and that's L-A-U,
2: Lawrence. L-A-U, yeah. Lawrence, yep. Yes. And you are the, at Alexandra Lawrence on Twitter.
1: Alexandra L-A-U-R underscore. Thank you oh, so
2: much, Alex. Thank you for having me. You're so much. welcome. And guys, as always, stay nasty.